Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning. This is Terry Wickstrom. What a beautiful day. Hey, in studio with me is Chad Lachance. Good morning, Chad. Hey, good morning, Terry. Thanks yeah. for having me. Well, you've been you've been in a couple times now since uh, we went back to a, a different partner, shall we say? And <laughs> and it's great to have you back. And uh, we're gonna you're gonna be in here all day. We got a lot to cover today. We got you look outside. It's we're getting to the fall in Colorado. Some of the best fishing of the year is going to be now. Uh, I heard there's a little hunting that might be going on. Yeah, that, that's that's the word I'm hearing as well. And and Parks has a bunch of activities, so we're going to cover a lot of ground today. But great to have you in studio, folks. We are going to talk a lot of fishing and a lot of hunting today, too. So we'll get into a lot of that. But as we're getting started and warmed up, you just got back from Alaska. I want to talk to you about that. Now, I've done a number of television shows. In fact, I've even been to the lodge you were at in Alaska but I, you haven't done a lot of trips to those kind of... You've done, you've done trips to a lot of places, but this first time to this part of Alaska, at least. First time to Alaska at all, actually. And I tell you what, it's uh, it's hard to describe to people the first time you go up there, isn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I truthfully, I didn't really know what to expect. I've seen a jillion TV shows, yours and others, and everything else, and I really didn't know what to expect other than a game-rich uh, paradise. Uh, and and I ran smack dab into that. Everything from from bears and whales uh, and minks and otters and wolves and the whole nine yards all the way to uh, you know a whole bunch of fish. I think I caught ten or eleven species of fish while we were up there. And uh, you know, ocean, you know, saltwater fishing, river fishing, lake fishing you know all of the above and it was just a really fantastic adventure and and i literally caught fish count into the 300 plus range in in five days of fishing so it's uh really really hard to beat that kind of uh activities well i love i love alaska i've done like i said over a dozen television shows up there and different parts of alaska all over the as much as i love it i couldn't live there when it's dark 24 hours a day almost and when it's daylight 24 hours a day almost you were actually there at a time when you had probably a respectable amount of daylight and night. Well, yeah, we did, actually. And, uh, and I was in southeast Alaska. I was at, on Prince of Wales Island, for folks that are familiar, at a place called Alaska's Boardwalk Lodge. And and we actually had a, a more normal um, you know, mix of daylight and dark. And also, we had some extremely temperate uh, temperatures. We, we were in the 70, 75 degree range every day we were there. It was absolutely gorgeous. Got to fish in long sleeve shirts and only had to put a rain slicker on one, one day for a couple hours. So we actually had uh, unseasonably beautiful weather and and uh, real calm seas, and just all the way around, it was a fantastic trip. And I fly fished exclusively in the freshwater, and then of course we did the deep, some of the deep stuff. You know, fishing three, four hundred feet deep, modified drop shot rig, three hundred fifteen feet below the boat to With pull about, up some fish. About eight pounds of weight. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, yeah, you get a fifteen pound fish and a two pound sinker to reel up, but uh, it was a, it was a whole bunch of fun. I, I remember fishing halibut out in the Nilchik, and we're down two hundred fifty feet, and we got like five or six pound weights because of the tidal shift up in the Cook Inlet is so severe. And, you know, the guy would go, everybody do a bait check. That means you got to reel that, <laughs> that five pound sinker 250 <laughs> feet up just to look at it. And, but uh, it, it was pretty, of the fishing you did there, um, what, what you've fished number of species, you've done saltwater before, freshwater all over North America. Yes, sir. What, what, what jumped out appealed to you the most? 
Well, I actually enjoyed the the lake. I, it, of all the crazy things, uh, bottom fishing isn't generally my strength. So when we went to saltwater fishing, um, you know, I enjoyed the halibut and the, and the rockfish and all that. I really did. But I think what I really, really enjoyed was wading out in the middle of a lake. There's a lot of hard bottoms. You already mentioned tidal, tidal influence and a lot, a lot of current. So there's no mud, no soft bottoms. Everything's hard bottom. And so we waded way out in the middle of a lake. And just make long casts with a fly rod and strip streamers right into the surface and, and catching pink salmon and chum salmon and silver salmon and, uh, you know, all by yourself standing out here in the middle of the lake with the, with the fly rod. And, and it just was an absolute blast. And I don't think I ever went more than about 15 minutes without, a, without some sort of a fish rodeo going on. So it was really neat. And I enjoyed that just kind of all by myself on the, on, you know, out in the middle of the lake. And uh, it was just fantastic. And, and, you know, a lot of people go to Alaska to, to harvest fish and bring them back. And we did some of that, but we also did a whole bunch bunch of catch and release and uh and so just fish after fish after fish and it was a lot of fun yeah we you and i talked about that you know alaska has been traditionally a meat fishery people go up there to get halibut and salmon and bring it home and i've done that and you've just did that we do some of that there's nothing wrong with taking home some of what you catch but to go up there with the opportunities to catch all these species of fish and and not go up there for fun fishing to go up there just to measure the trip by how many pounds of fish you bring home, I think that that that's going to have to change to protect that fishery. But it also, there's very few places left in the U.S. Maybe uh, Lake Oahe um, and the Dakotas, they they like to get a bunch of walleyes, and there's a few places in Minnesota like that, but they're changing too. They're becoming more sport fisheries than meat fisheries. Doesn't mean you can't keep some, can't have some to eat, but I think to save the fishery and just to make it a better experience. Well, yeah, and, you know, we've preached selective harvest, you and I both, forever. You know, you don't have to eat every fishy catch. There's times to eat some and times to not. And and there's a lot to be said for, you know— reeling a fish, uh, you know, getting a picture with them and letting them go. And, and it's it's much simpler, like you said, especially you wade out in the middle of that lake or whatever. If you're worried about harvesting those silver salmon, well, guess what? That's going to take time out of your fishing. You put it back and you got another cast in the water two seconds later and, and probably going to hook another one pretty quick. So, yeah, I think so. And, and you know, the... Like you said, there's no no argument. Having some fresh halibut or some fresh coho salmon is absolutely delicious. But we didn't keep a, even a small fraction of what we caught. And one thing I noticed about up at Boardwalk Lodge, they had some old-timer guides that were probably in their 60s, been guiding for 20-plus years, 30 years, and they have some younger ones that are in their late 20s, and the younger ones definitely had that new mentality. So I think that the future uh, of Alaska fishing is probably just fine. The sheer volume of fish there was was unbelievable, and uh, and, and just the way some of them are straight prehistoric looking with the big teeth and everything else. It was crazy. Well, that's what we talked about. Um, if you're just fishing for meat, and by the way, fresh salmon's only fresh till you freeze it to take it home, and it's <laughs> exactly. not fresh anymore. Yep. But... Um, the, the pink salmon and the chum salmon are traditionally not looked at as the most flavorful or the, I mean, you can smoke them. If you catch them while they're still silver, they're pretty good. But once they're into the rivers and things, they're kind of looked at. The chum salmon they call dog salmon and the pink they call humpies. And, and they've, for years, they've kind of turned up their nose at those. I'll tell you what, you mentioned how much fun you had catching those pinks with that dinosaur-looking hump back. And some of the best fights I've ever had were big chum salmon. To me, when I'm sport fishing, I love getting into those. Absolutely. And seeing that, you know, I had a chum salmon out in the lake and stripping a streamer just under the surface, a big, giant, bright pink streamer, stripping it right under the surface. And to see this this chum salmon's back come out of the water as he wakes on that thing and then smashes it and then immediately just goes ballistic on a six-weight, you know. And it's a 15-pound fish on a six-weight fly rod in water that's about two feet deep at the most. And, and, I mean, how can you beat that, right? I mean, the sport, the sport 
the thing went round and round in circles, and uh, it was just a fantastic fight. And I was also happy to tail grab him, pull my fly out, and let him go. And I got pretty good at grabbing those fish by the tail, by the way. Oh, yeah, it takes some getting used to. Oh, by the way, folks, before I forget, we do have a programming note. As uh, you probably saw the post and heard the announcement that we were only going to be on a half hour this week. Well, that was a scheduling mistake at the station. That wasn't mine and Karen's fault. <laughs> so we only will be on a half hour next week because of the Air Force game. We've made a conscious decision. In, in the past, we've taken the show during football season back to the 8 to 10 time slot and then 9 to 11 the rest of the time. We're going to stay at 9 o'clock, which means that occasionally we'll get preempted. It won't be very often. But we just made the decision to keep the consistent time. So next week we will have a really short show. But then we've got we should be back on a normal schedule. So Chad, uh, if people wanted to find out more about your adventure, I know you've got an article coming out in a publication that's part of one of our partners. You and I are both a partner with Sportsman's Warehouse, and they have a publication. Tell us about the publication, where they can get it, and when the article will be out. Yeah, the uh, the publication is called Sportsman's News. It's distributed free at all the, the uh, point-of-sale terminals at Sportsman's Warehouse around the country. There's something like 80 stores now around the country. Uh, folks that may have been in Sportsman's Warehouse, they've seen it. It's a big, uh, oversized uh, newsprint magazine. It comes out every month, and uh, and so I'll do a whole write-up on the follow-up for, for Boardwalk Lodge. And, and actually, the trip was a winner. I accompanied some some winners from uh, from the pro member sweepstakes, which is something that goes on uh, as part of Sportsman's News and Sportsman's Warehouse. They do drawings on the 10th, 20th, and 30th of every month. I traveled with a gentleman named Randall and, and his son, Trayson. They won the trip uh, a couple of months ago, and so I was accompanying them, or or I afflicted them. I'm not sure how you look at it, but, uh, but at any rate, I accompanied them on their trip to Alaska, and we had an absolute ball, and they do drawings all the time for that, but it basically, I'll do a whole write-up on the lodge itself and how the trip went and kind of what our experience was and everything else, and it's kind of a follow-up but in that magazine uh it, like i said it comes out every month and it's also a direct mail out and you can go to sportsmansnews.com and, and and download the archives there i also write a monthly just a standard monthly column the fiscal thinker column mostly a how-to column uh that's in that magazine and i do gear reviews as well there uh, on a regular basis but uh it's a it's a good opportunity for folks to win all kinds of stuff and and we were talking a little bit on the way here i actually because i'm a contract writer i'm eligible for the sweepstakes so uh as opposed to a w2 employee so i got involved in the sweepstakes and i actually won an alaskan trip myself for next year to go to kodiak island and of all the crazy things hunt brown bears so i'm gonna be a fisherman uh fisherman out of water so to speak hunting brown bears next year but it's it's a, it's a neat deal to be involved with and the, the folks that, that that won this trip were absolutely ecstatic oh that's awesome and i'll tell you folks another thing if you really want to see uh something about boardwalk lodge um there's both on my youtube channel and on my outdoor tv if you're a subscriber to MOTV, i have a couple episodes up just go to either one and search for the boardwalk lodge and you'll see it's beautiful accommodations isn't it oh it's fantastic and a mutual friend of our chef jeff the the chef there uh food was great um i mean i, I mean great and then some... I'll, I'll tell you what happens when you fly in from you go to catch can and then you fly over in a small float plane they weigh you and your gear because you can only take so much in, but they add about 10 pounds because they know coming out you're going to weigh more. <laughs> they had to break us into two flights on the way back just for that between some of the fish we brought and the fact that we all had too much Chef Jeff goodness going on. But, uh, but yeah, you know, the, the lodging was great. The, the facilities were great. Like I said, old fishing guides, young fishing guides, even lady fishing guides. So if you want to go up there with your, you know, with maybe a couple of husbands and wives or something, your wives can go out with, with a lady fishing guide, maybe a little bit more comfortable. And, uh, and I want to point out really quick that the, the lady fishing guide we fished with, her name is Chris, a straight up legit hardcore 
serious girl uh, that could fish for real. And we had a great time with her, and uh, we had a great time with with uh, Sean and, and Bear and the rest of the guides we had there as well. And just a real neat facility. But the food, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner was was fantastic. Sitting on the boardwalks there overlooking the Thorn Bay was beautiful. 18-foot tidal swings while we were there. So the tide's swinging 18 feet in seven hours. It's a lot of water movement. Oh, yeah. Well, and— and it is, um, you know, obviously Karen, who's my wife and producer, was up there with us, and we enjoyed the accommodations. I mean, definitely, all, you're not out in some wilderness camp, which I've done that. We've gone in the back wilderness camp, slept in floor tents up in Alaska um, and up in the Arctic Circle, but this isn't like that. You're you're well taken care of. You're like in a major motel, and they're serving you meals, and it's just you're well taken care of. Well, yeah, even the boats in the in the saltwater boats. You go out in the saltwater boats; they've got full bathrooms in them, so you know you can go in and, and use a restroom and not be uncomfortable out in the boat all day. You know, as the case might be. And so, yeah, uh, hard to hard to call it roughing. That's for sure. When you're served fresh creme brulee with local eggs and yeah. you know local dairy and all that. But yeah, it was it was a, a fantastic deal all the way around. That everyone was real gracious. You know, and, and sitting right at the lodge, we saw mink we saw otters uh you know eagles all over the place uh, just sitting on the boardwalk having a, a cup of coffee or maybe a barley pop or a glass of wine in the evening so it was a it was a really neat experience all the way around and it's something that you know a lot of people ask me as an angler since i do travel a lot geez what do you think of alaska and i'd never been there but i can't wait to go back well and, and i want to change things up here in just a second but i think that's the point folks that we have great outdoor activities right here in colorado and we're going to talk about them the rest of the show now but if you, everybody asks me, where can I take that one trip where I can really be successful? I'll talk, I've been marlin fishing and I've, uh, you and I've both been down to Costa Rica and I've been sailfish. I've been rooster fish and, and mahi and, and snook and redfish down in Louisiana and all those type of things. And I love all those. Each has their own draw. But if you really have never traveled, you want a good chance at a real successful fishing trip. Alaska is a pretty good start. Yeah, I took a guy that had never fly fished in his life, and uh, and in you know five days later, he his fish count was well into the hundreds on fly all on fly rods. Never touched a spinning rod. The kid was twenty years old and a very very accomplished uh, catcher. By the time we got done, now I want to switch up, take a couple minutes before we go to the first break. And I know you've been out of the out of the country and out of the state. Well, you've been in the U.S., but you've been out of the state. Um, what are your guides telling you? What's going on right around here, like Horsetooth and those kind of lakes? Well, we're in that transition right now. We're not quite in the fall yet, but we're not really in late summer either. So we're in a little bit of a transition period. Now, Horsetooth specifically, which is one of the lakes we guide on, is dropping like a rock. And I'm hearing rumors uh, of some potential dam repairs, but they're pulling water out at the rate of 18 inches a day. So it's dropping. Now, I say that only to let you know that if you were there two weeks ago, it's going to look different when you get there. But there's just as many fish. There's less surface acres to chase them on. So uh, not an issue at all as far as getting boats in and out of the water. And the fishing should be really good, but it is definitely dropping down some. Boyd Lake, same thing, going down a little bit as they water corn and everything else that goes on with the water around here. But the fishing is really good. And the most important thing is over the next couple of three or four weeks, it's going to get better and better. So you don't have to rush out there today. Uh, If you can get out there in the next couple of weeks, it's going to get better. Do you expect that the boat ramps will stay usable up till normal close at Horse Tooth? From what I'm told, yes, they will. And there's some shallow water ramps at Horse Tooth, so it shouldn't be an issue there. And uh, and I'll try to get more information on why the water's dropping as fast as it is, but it is it's really coming down right now. And uh, but like I said, the fish are there; they're there for the taking. And I think it, you know, I we've discussed this before. Falling water scares fishermen worse than fish. Oh, and sometimes it's. You know, if you have a condition, like the water's up, down, up, down, temperatures in and out, when you have a condition that's consistent, falling water, 
we kind of know that that's going to pull fish away from the bank. It's going to suspend them. It's going to bring the bait to a different place. That And like you said, less surface acres to chase them in. Um, why, where are you? If somebody's going out this weekend, it's going to be great. Where would you start? Maybe bass or walleye, either one. I'd stay offshore. I, you know, I'd really be looking at the offshore structure, either the really long tapering points, of which there's a jillion on horse tooth that, that extend way out into deep water. So even though the lake's already almost 30 feet or 35 feet below where it was, there's still, you know, 80 feet of water immediately adjacent to these points. So not, not any issue there. So I would be looking at either long tapering main lake points or some of the offshore humps. So I'd be going to get my, my Colorado map or watching my sonar and GPS, but I would not be running banks. If you start running banks, you're trying to time a bite and meaning that fish will pull up there and feed and leave. But if you stay on the offshore structure, the fish will stage there uh, and they'll stay there. And so I would be on looking at, like I said, big, big main lake points or potentially humps. And probably stay right out of the coves unless you're yeah, looking yeah, for Yeah, there's hardly any water back in the coves even. All right. Tell you what, folks, we're going to take a time out. We come back, we're going to bring you up to date on a couple activities at parks, but we got a lot more fishing and hunting to talk, you, talk to you about yet on the show. Terry Wicks from Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoke Fish Companies. Honey Smoke Salmon, the secret is in the fire. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. Chad, we were supposed to be joined by Jason from Cheyenne Mountain. Unfortunately, he had something come up, but he wanted us to mention an event they have coming up. It's going on today, in fact, from 10 to 2, and that's a No Child Left Inside. And you have... We both have been evangelistic about getting kids into the outdoors. So this is a great time. If you're looking for something to do today, take your kids down because there's a lot going on down there. Well, yeah, and you're right. Uh, getting your kids outdoors is, is, in my opinion, one of the most important things that needs to happen to, to keep you know, uh, keep them uh, stuck to their video games. But at any rate, go to Cheyenne Mountain Park today. Um, you can go down there and get archery. You can get the fishing game. Uh, there's food available. There's uh, uh, trail hikes. There's a variety of stuff going on. And uh, and I think it's a great opportunity to just be outdoors. It's supposed to be beautiful weather today. So it's a, it's a great chance to get out. It's a free event as well. You do have to have a day pass or a parks pass to get in the park. But otherwise, it's a free event. Yeah, and lots going on. It's part of a national event that goes on to get kids into the outdoors. To get them outdoors just once in a while, whether they're hiking, wildlife watching. There's, I believe there's some shooting down there. There's a fishing game. There's all kinds of activities. You, need, you can go for an hour, go for two hours. All you need is your parks pass, no charge. And if you get them away from that video game and out there just for a few hours, you'll be amazed how much difference it can make in their lives as they grow up. And it's, it's just, you know, if you're looking for something to do today, Cheyenne Mountain, it's NORAD headquarters. Here you go to go to a park where you're sitting over a vault that controls the defenses for North America. So it's a pretty neat place, but it's a great place to visit. Yeah, that's what I hear. I have not personally been to Cheyenne Mountain State Park, although we've been on a tour here around all the state parks. There's, you know, 41 of them in the state, 37 of which have fishing. This one does not have active fishing in it, but, uh, uh, yeah, the whole park system is a, is a neat deal. And there's a lot of events like this that go on for kids around the state every year, uh, and this is just another example of a good one. Another great event that's coming up in two weeks that you and I are both going to participate in it, and I think we're still getting the details together, but people need to mark their calendars the 23rd at Cherry Creek State Park 
They're going to have an expo, an outdoor expo. I'm going to broadcast live there. I know you're going to be down there. Sounds like a really good time coming up. Yeah, it's the 23rd and 24th at Cherry Creek State Park, the Colorado Adventure Expo, and everything from kayaking and paddleboarding and and uh, archery again, and and you know just a whole slew of outdoor events. A bunch of vendors are going to be there. Uh, that's going to be a really neat event. I'm looking forward to it. It's right in the heart of Denver, so I'm sure it's going to be a, a you know a well attended event overall. Uh, the details are still coming out on that one, but uh, if you look that up, Colorado Adventure Expo, September 23rd and 24th. Again, it's free, and the whole goal is just to get people to understand what resources we have available and why they should get out and enjoy them. All right, and if you want to enjoy them, there's no better way to enjoy them than with our next guest from Adventure Camper, Ray, and get one of those campers, Ray, and park it right out at Cherry Creek for the event. That's exactly it, Terry. I'm uh, I'm getting ready to go out camping myself tonight. Going to get a couple days of R&R down near Westcliff, so it's uh, my favorite time of year to go camping. Yeah, but you know when I get down by that West Cliff area and all that, I think more about the wine than the camping, although oh, I don't do, mind yeah, camping okay. when I do it. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Ray, this is a great time. You know, with the event coming up at Cherry Creek, um, uh, there is the event. Of course, it'd be kind of late to get there with a camper today at Cheyenne, but there's a lot of events and a lot of great weather. In fact, some of our best weather, and I would think you probably have more availability now than you normally yeah. do the, uh, the rest of the year. Yeah, that's true. If you're looking to do uh, rentals at this time of year, there's far less pressure on the on the parks after the kids go back to school, and so availability is is better. And um, if you're looking to buy a camper, uh, fall is absolutely the best time to get a great deal on a camper uh, on our Sonoma line, our real high end. Uh, luxury trailers they're 20 foot and above you, know, you can save several thousand dollars uh, during the fall if you're looking to buy a camper at this time of year well you better tell chad chad lachance is in studio with me tell him about adventure camper i'm not sure he knows uh well we've been in business for coming up on 22 years next spring uh we do sales and rentals of mainly travel trailers uh some pop-ups as well um, so, you, and if you need to rent a towing vehicle, if you don't have a proper towing vehicle to tow a trailer, we do rent those as well. So we can help you no matter what you need. Ray, where will people find you if they want to come down and get a trailer from you? And by the way, just, they're all towables and you've got some they can tow with even a small SUV. Yeah, exactly. We carry, uh, we kind of specialize in ultralights that, that are less than 3,500 pounds. So even if you got a V6 SUV, we've got a trailer you can tow with some several real nice floor plans. So how do they find you, Ray? Uh, we're at adventurecamper.com on the web, 303-680-3670 by phone, and we're located near Arapahoe Road and Jordan Road if you want to come down and take a peek. Well, we'll let you go so you can get on your trip. We'll expect a report <laughs> next week. We will do. All right, Terry, thank All right. you. Thanks, Ray. That's Ray from Adventure Campers. What a great guy. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. Quincy and I. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sportsman's by Warehouse, time, America's premier outfitter. All right, Chad, we're going to go to a park segment now. But when I bring this lady up, she's going to talk about an event up there, but we're not going to let you talk about it until after we get an update on the lake. Because once we get into this event, you're not going to want to quit talking about it. And joining us now from Jackson Lake State Park is Darby Shanks. Good morning, Darby. Good morning. The reason I made that comment is Chad is big into cast iron cooking, and I don't want to get him started till we get the update on the lake. <laughs> all right. So what's going on? First of all, how are the water levels at Jackson? This time of the year, they can fluctuate. How are you looking? 
Oh, this year we're looking pretty good. We're only about four feet down, so boats are still able to get out with no problems. Uh, I believe there is about six feet of water down at the end of the boat ramp, so um, that gives a general interest to the public. Well, and four feet down means you got some of that sandy beach exposed, too. Yes, we do, and a lot of people sure like that. It's that sugary sand. I, I, that's what I call it, anyways. Well, and our temperature is still 74 degrees for the oh, surface. Oh, 74 degree water, sandy beach. I mean, you know, uh, 90 degree day today. Yeah, this is looking pretty good. Yeah, it sounds like <laughs> sounds like my you have the place to be. How's the fishing been, Darby? It's still, you know, it's hit and miss, you know, just like fishing is. But people have been uh, still catching walleye, um, some wipers, but they're not keepable because they're still pretty, um, I think they're around the 10 to 12 inches. But um, at least people are catching something. And also a lot of drum this year has been caught. So I think it's still good. So. Yeah, well, you know, and you talk about drum. We were just talking about Alaska, how people just want to go there to meet fish and both Chad and I love going after the chum and the pink salmon just because of the fight, and, and we release them. I'll tell you what, you catch a drum on a light spinning rod, Chad, and I'm sure you have too, and they'll pull your string. They're fun. Oh, yeah. You know, we, we talk about red drum in saltwater all the time, really not fundamentally different, and I have not eaten one, but word has it they're really, really good to eat, and there's tons of them in Jackson. When I was there walleye fishing last time, we caught quite a few of them, and like I said, they do pull like trucks. Oh, they really are. How's your camping? Your camping stays open all winter, right? Yeah, we keep three campgrounds open year-round, and then three of them do close down coming here in September. Uh, one or two might close. It just depends on visitation, how long we'll keep, you know, one or two of them open through probably end of October. You do get... But, but yeah, I mean, still every weekend we're booked with reservations, especially all of our electric. Well, and I think a lot of hunters come up there. Teal season starts in just a minute, just a few days, right? Uh, tomorrow. Oh, no, today. Today, yeah. Today, today. wow. Saturday, that's right. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, wow. So you have duck hunting available or bird hunting, upland hunting there? Yeah, it's limited areas, but yes, we do. We, in the state park um, area, we have two ponds, which is nor uh, north of our Northview campground, um, which is first come, first serve. And then we also have the Jackson Lake Wildlife Area that is on the northeast corner of the lake as well, and that's a... That's first come, first serve as well, open seven days a week. And then we also have Andrick Wildlife Area. That's on a reservation system only um, where you can only hunt Saturday, Sunday, Wednesdays, and then legal holidays. So we there's an encouragement to, like, make a reservation there. Uh, it's not necessary, but if, if there's the limited hunters for those ponds, then you can't go in. Well, uh, that sounds like a, a good opportunity to keep the, the pressure down a little bit. I like the reservation system, but let me back up a little bit. We haven't talked at all about crappie fishing, and uh, a lot of guys, I get a lot of emails asking about crappie, where they can go get some crappie. How's the crappie fishing in Jackson Lake these days? Well, this year, especially, well, even during the winter this past year, and then also spring into, you know, early summer was really good. Um, of course, you have to have, they have to stay 10 inches to keep here at Jackson Lake, but uh, they, it was really good. Yeah, that's, there's just, it's a great, great, great facility. And you're probably, what, an hour, hour and a half out of Denver is all you are, Dar Darby. Um, you know, depending, I, I always say like 45 minutes from Brighton. So, you know, downtown, probably an hour, hour 15, depending on traffic, of course. Well, you're right. It's absolutely right. Now, you got an event coming up next week that we have to talk about and the reason i made chad wait because he's really into cast iron cookie cooking and he actually won a chili cook-off once so he's going to get excited tell us what you got coming up next week 
Well, this is, I can't remember what year. This is our seventh year, I believe, that uh, I, we're hosting it. <clears throat> so we try to limit the teams to about 10, depending on how many dishes. But we have seven categories. One, of course, is oriented to uh, kids. Um, that's cast iron cooking. And then we have one category that's chili, so any kind of chili. And then the rest of them, we have your, you know, your main dish, side dish, desserts, uh, breads. And then we have a special one, wild game slash fish, which, you know, promote our Colorado um, for the game that we can, you know, hunt fish in the state. So, it's, so yeah, it, it's, it begins on Saturday, uh, September 16th. You know, the cooking begins at 8. And pre-tasting at the end, I believe it ends at 4, 4 p.m. in the afternoon. Um, so the only cost is to come into the park. There is no cost to, you know, try any of these dishes. Now, when you're, when you're doing the event, if I'm not mistaken, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the chili can be cooked in any type of cookware, but then there's a separate division just for Dutch oven cooking. Correct. You know, in that Dutch oven, Chad, you love a Dutch oven. Well, you know, uh, famous Colorado author, uh, author mentioned that behind every catch and release angler is a cast iron skillet. And uh, and I'm a big believer in Dutch oven and cast iron goes together in the outdoors perfect. Uh, it's, it, you know, a lot of game meat is well served by being braised. And there's few better vessels to brown and braise something in than a Dutch oven. Uh, you know, and a Dutch oven will last forever. You can use it outdoors or indoors or anywhere else. You'll have them forever. It's a very traditional way to cook as well. And in my mind, some of the best dishes I've ever created came out of a Dutch oven, uh, whether it be chilies or stews or, or some of the other things that you mentioned. And uh, uh, might have to make my way out there for this one, Terry. Yeah. Now, Darby, what's the most unusual Dutch oven dish you've ever seen cooked in the competition? Uh, let's see. Oh, this was about seven years ago. I've never had anybody do it. It was called, uh, oh, goodness. It's a French name, and they used a trout, I believe, in the dish. Um, gosh, I can't remember the name of it, though. But it ended up, uh, it was really good. I would have never expected it to be that good. But it was kind of like more like a soup chowder. Hmm. Hmm. That sounds, but so. you can cook just about anything in a Dutch oven. That's Whoa, the beauty of yeah, them. Yeah, that is the beauty of them. And, and, you know, you mentioned a chowder. Chowder is one of the best things, and it doesn't have to be a clam chowder, any sort of fish chowder, a fish soup of some sort. We've done several of them on Fishful Thinker Television, and they all come out good in a Dutch oven. Now tell us again, the cooking starts for both the chili and the Dutch oven at 8, so if people want to come out and kind of talk to the team, see their techniques, but they get to taste after the judging, and that's around 4 o'clock? Yeah, well, yeah, the first dish gets judged at 1230, um, but it doesn't end till the fourth. We always make it till all the judges have their final decisions. Um, I have, I believe, eight judges this year, so which is awesome. Um, we also, I wanted to mention, we have a cowboy coffee, so it's a people's choice award. So if you come around, you know, at 8 o'clock, you can put your vote in. We'll tally up the votes at 1130 noon, um, but we still won't announce the winner till the end. All right, and you get some cowboy coffee and just have a good... Sounds like a great day to come spend a day at Jackson Lake. The walleyes are biting. The, there'll be food there, and it's a great time of the year. The beach is open. Sounds like a lot of reasons to be out there, Darby. Absolutely. All right, thanks for joining us. Great. Thank you. You have a great facility. Well, thank you. You bet. That's Darby Shanks from Jackson Lake. That's, you know, uh, it's out on the prairie, so I don't think it gets the 
attention some of our mountain lakes get. When you get out there, Chad, it's trees. Uh, most of the campground is in trees. Yep. It's, it's a shallow lake, so it can be a little different to fish. But the fishing, if you understand it, can be good. One fishing tip for Jackson Lake before we go to a break. Focus on the bottom content. Uh, we really did well fishing on, on the sand. And uh, and if you look around the lake, you're going to find different kinds of bottom content. You get on a good hard bottom. And when I have been there, that's where we've been successful each time. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sportsman's Warehouse, America's premier outfitter. Sure. Play an Eagles song when I want to get to a tackle talk. You know I got to listen. All right, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoked Salmon. The secret is in the fire. It's time now for Terry's Tackle Tip of the Week. All right, Chad, it is time for our Tackle Tip. And this is a bait that you and I have had the privilege of getting to fish before it hit the market. I think it hits the market either this month or next. This month, yep. And uh, when it'll actually be in the stores, that means it's available for the stores to have. In Colorado, we may not see much of it till spring. We'll see what the buy is. I don't know. But it's the new Maxent Power Bait from Berkeley, and you and I have got to fish it, and i got to tell you, I'm sold. Yeah, I've actually been testing it a while since it came in little Ziploc baggies that, uh, that were unidentifying what they were. But at ICAST this year, uh, which is the uh, place where all the new products are introduced every year in July, we've talked about it extensively here on the radio show, I got to talk with the chemist behind the stuff. And basically, long story short, uh, there's two types of baits out there. There's a PVC or polyvinyl chloride plastic baits that we're all familiar with, and then there's been Gulp, which is a, a biodegradable water-based resin. Well... Gulp has its limitations because it will dry out. Uh, PVC or, uh, has its limitations because it does, it's oil-based, so it doesn't distribute scent in the water as well. So what they did was they took uh, basically PVC, made it very porous, and then they can put it in gulp liquid, and it will absorb it in the same way that your kitchen sponge will absorb you know, water and dish soap and wash your dishes. So you kind of have the best of the gulp with the ease of use of the power bait, and it comes in a variety of, of sizes and, and shapes. And uh, it's got a matte finish on it, a very natural-looking finish. It's not a shiny, smooth bait like a lot of us are familiar with. It's more of an organic feel and look to it. Um, it does not dry out, and it feels dry in your hand until you squeeze it real hard, and then it'll ooze out a bunch of gulp liquid as well. And uh, my tests with it have been great, and I know you've had good experience with it as well. Yeah, and I talked to John Prockno too, at, at – uh at ICAST, and we were talking, and he said, Terry, you know, he said, the gulp took off, and you and I love gulp. I go through gallons of it. Yeah, you and I, that gulp minnow, I I used to be a curly-tailed grub guy, and that gulp minnow, I do some power minnows, but that gulp minnow has almost become a go-to bait for us. Still will be. Yeah, absolutely. It's not going away. Well, they had trouble. Now, that caught on the walleye and the panfish and even the multi-species guys. But if you've ever been in a bass tournament, and you and I both have, it's not uncommon to have five or six rods rigged on the deck. And what happens when you got that many rods rigged on the deck is you may not cast one till all of a sudden there's a need. Well, the gulp would have dried out, and it never had the same flexibility e- even when it was new as this bait does. So the bass guy was afraid that, it never caught on in the bass world like it did in the saltwater and the walleye world. And so John said we wanted to get something that the bass guys could rig up. It was very pliable. So we could do uh, the cigar type, people would call it a Senko type bait that had the wiggle in it, had more flexibility, and it would keep that. I can tell you I had an 8-inch worm 
And I think, uh, I can't remember what they call that one. They have names for all of them. They have the general and the lunch worm and all that. I had the eight-inch worm. I used that quite a bit because you know I love the plastic worm fishing. That's one of my fortes. And I had one on, we fished a day and a half up in Minnesota. And by the way, you can go to my Facebook page and you just look. There's tons of pictures. Every one of those fish was caught on this bait. I had one that had got tore up the day before, but I kept wiggling it on the hook to keep it, you know, where the pieces would stay together. It was 80 degrees that day, and I left that on my at the end of the day. It was the first bait I used the next day, and I caught about a three or four pound fish right away on it. Yeah, and I tested them. I didn't believe that that it wouldn't dry out. I'm like, when you squeeze and liquid comes out, I'm like, well, surely it's going to dry out. Well, the liquid does not evaporate out of there. And I tried them at my shop at home. took a, took one of the flat nose minnows out, which is basically the version of the gulp minnow or a straight tailed minnow body, three inch body. Uh, far more pliable than gulp, far more action built into that minnow than a gulp minnow, more along the lines of a power minnow, which makes sense. Uh, they're not, they're not going to dry out. You can leave them on the deck. You can leave them out. They're not going to dry out. It's definitely not an issue. And, and in my experience, the fish will still hold it almost indefinitely. Gives off excellent action. Uh, we've drop shotted them. They've been good for that. The other thing is uh, the jig trailer. They make a creature bait. It's an excellent jig trailer. And uh, and for like a jig and pig, for bass guys like to pitch a jig and pig. And, um, you know, we did a show called Catching Colorado here not too long ago with the, with the guys at Channel 9. Um, and I caught a bunch of fish on that jig trailer pitch in the heavy cover with that and uh, really really good baits all the way around and a variety of shapes and sizes and, and in my opinion the general as you mentioned which is a, a soft stick bait or a senko style knockoff uh let's be honest the senko has been a fantastic bait a lot of companies have tried to copy it and not done well including berkeley they finally got it right this time and uh i've i've went half you know back and forth between a, a traditional senko and this and uh did did very very well with it so i think folks have an option to senkos and they're a lot less expensive too well and you talked about fish will hold on to it I specifically, because we were fishing for fun, we weren't in a tournament, we weren't filming, we were testing these baits. So we got, you know, you get in those moods where you can, let's play a little bit, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I had a couple bass that I felt them pick it up. I let one of them pick it up. I don't know how big either one of these fish were, but we were catching mostly big fish. We didn't catch very many small fish where we were fishing. This bass picked it up and I did nothing but let him swim. He swam around with it until I finally jerked it away from him. And yeah. he wasn't going to let it go. And I purposely didn't really set the hook. I pulled it away from him. So then a little later in the day, I had another one pick it up. So I said, wonder, I didn't set the hook. I just slowly moved my rod tip towards me, pulled in the slack. I moved that fish 20 or 30 feet closer to the boat without ever setting the hook. And then finally he let go. So the guy who, um, I love plastic worm fishing. I used to have a statement where I used to teach people to plastic worm fish. They'd say, how will I know when I get a hit? I said, well, there'll be three taps. I said, you'll feel a tap when he sucks it in, a tap when he sucks it out, and me tapping you on the shoulder to tell you about it. <laughs> but I tell you what, you won't experience that with these because you're going to have time to develop that feel and confidence that you're going to know that fish is going to be able to telegraph he's got that bait. Well, that's why we've done so much guiding with gulp is I find out people don't realize they're bit in a lot of cases, and I try to teach people to watch their line. And, and if you if you just barely lift real gently on the fish with a gulp bait in it or this this uh, max scent baits on them, they'll swim in a long time with it. You know, you don't want to let them swallow it, so you don't want to totally slack them out or they'll swallow it. But if you keep a tight line on them, they'll swim for a long ways. And I've led smallmouth almost all the way to the boat. And, uh, you know, as long as you don't pull on them real hard and don't give them any, any reason to spook. But, yeah, they're going to hold it for a long time. And I've said forever, I don't think that gulp gets me more bites necessarily. It lets me detect more bites because it gives me the time I need to make 
to, to, to put it all together that, oh, yeah, I am bit and give me a chance to either watch the line or, or pick up and feel that there's a fish on there. Uh, believe me, if a fish wants to bite something and spit it out in a hurry, he'll do so before you ever have a chance to set the hook unless they're willing to hold it. And that's where this stuff's really going to come into play. I love the colors, lots of natural colors. They're heavy on the greens, browns, whites, and blacks, which I think is important. A little bit of blues and purples in there as well. Um, I think the, the, the powerbait maxent stuff's really going to have a, a solid home in bass fishing. It's already being used in bass tournaments around the country uh, at the pro level, and I think uh, pe- people are going to be surprised. I think I like it because a lot of my bass fishing, I never switched from powerbait. I was a big powerbait user, but when I saw the pliability, and I'll be perfectly honest, the, to get a good plastic worm out of gulp was almost impossible, and it didn't stay pliable. Right now we've got these. These are more pliable than the power worm, even. Yep. They really are. They're, yeah, it's, they're, it's more and porous. when you put a hook in them, they have a little bit of a skin on them, then like a sponge inside. So it kind of pops through, goes through. The durability. I caught. Uh, we used. I'll let you talk about real quick the ones you used. But I used the eight-inch worm, the six-inch worm, and I used the five-inch um, straight tail, mm-hmm. kind of a finesse, the, the general, shaky yep. head worm. Yep. And with the eight-inch worm, because I was chasing big bass, the one I used the most, and I'd catch numbers of fish on one worm. What you said, the jig trailer. What else did you like? Yeah, I mean the jig trailer, the creature hog's been a really good, a really good bait for us as well. Which is a small Texas rig. We can use that for punching, uh, you know, heavy cover or on a traditional Texas rig for bass fishing. That bait worked really good for us. Um, the flat nose minnow. I'm a straight tail minnow guy because big fish eat little fish, and straight tail minnows are hard to beat. The flat nose minnow made to go on a little mushroom head or fish it on a drop shot. Uh, a lot more action uh, than you're going to get out of a power minnow or a gulp minnow. So a drop shot where it's a real subtle trend to get that tail to just wiggle and try to really entice them into biting. That's been a really good choice for us as well. And like I said, the general, I mean, it's a soft stick worm. It's got uh, so many options. The Ned rig is a big thing these days. Everybody likes the Ned rig. Well, pinch each end of this general off and now you've got yourself a perfect Ned rig, you know. Uh, and like you said, just like with gulp, the more torn up they get, the more juice at least it releases in the water. And believe me, it's only anglers that think their bait has to be the absolute perfect shape all the time. They can get very tuned up and still be excellent ways to catch fish. So our success has been really good across the board. I ordered a big pile of it for this year and uh, looking forward to see how, how it goes once we get a chance to put it in the arsenal full time. Unfortunately, it's been limited production. All right. So we will see the look for it in stores. It should start showing up soon. You won't be disappointed. And it's not just for bass fishing. That minnow bait and some of the other shapes are going to work really great for walleyes and even panfish. And it's going to be great, great stuff. It's the new Berkeley Max Scent Power Bait. The package is a little different color. You'll see it as soon as you see one. You'll be able to recognize it. Uh, I got to test it solid. Every fish. Go to my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. In fact, you should follow us on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook anyway. And I have two sets of pictures and two videos on there. I do a tackle talk. You see me catching about a four-pound bass on my very first fish I caught on the max power bait was about a four pound largemouth on the eight inch worm. And I had to make an adjustment. I talk about that in the tackle talk about weight and drop rate. There is no perfect bait. So you still have to make your adjustments and how you fish, but look for it in stores. If the store you shop at, which should be sportsman's warehouse, cause they sponsor this segment, isn't, uh, isn't carrying it. You tell them, we told them they need to get it in there. Turks from outdoors is brought to you in part by honey smoked salmon. The secret is in the fire.